Rewinding. Rewinding Kaya FM on FM Rewind. My Money and Me with Sumitra Naidu on Kaya FM 95.9. Right, we move along now and I'm so glad that my next guest has been patient and she's been holding on on the line. Sibolela Siko Shosa joins me now. Thank you so much for your time. And of course, she is our businesswoman on the move tonight and she is the owner of Dumile Brand Boutique. Sibolela, thanks so much for joining me. I want to get straight into it because we've made you hold on for a bit. You started out Dumile a long time ago, but there was quite a bit that you did before you started Dumile. You were actually one of the youngest females to actually head up a magazine in South Africa. Tell me about that. Um, yes, I was one of the first black... Oh, hi, guys. Um, <laughs> thank you for having me first. <laughs> I think after holding for a while, I just jumped into it. Yes, I was one of the few then youngest black editors for uh, a business publication so I actually started my career in journalism Okay, so you studied, I see that you you know, you were born in Cape Town and you're a writer and a TV producer but you studied at Cape Peninsula University, you got a diploma there in radio broadcasting and you also studied at WITS Yes, I did study at WITS so actually favorite years of my life but I think what I I love the most about being exposed to Johannesburg is is just the energy and the and the progressive thinking that was there um so I learned a lot during that time and that everything that I learned in Joburg and, and starting my my career in Joburg I was able to inject it back um when I came back home so you were the editor of the business publication Black Business Quarterly. And of course, at a really ripe young age, you were there for a few years. And in 2010, you left and you decided, I want to start my own business. What was that like for you? I mean, you're leaving a really good position, but now you want to um, go out on your own. Was that just an easy transition? What was behind that? I always tell people and um, also adding on the conversation we had on the side earlier, mm. My, my my journey into entrepreneurship was not, you know, filled with guts and 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 you know, fancy MBA degrees. I was just tired. <laughs> I was tired of, of working with an organization that doesn't have values that are aligned with mine. And I I was lucky enough to have grown within my career at such a young age where I felt the glass ceiling, you know, closely um caving in on me. So, you know, it was just an emotional decision made 13 years ago, which um, has brought us to have this conversation right now. I mean, 13 years ago, if I think about it, we're looking at about 2008 around there, about where you started this business. Financial crisis, the first, uh, you know, we had the onset of load shedding started. We had the first blackouts back then. It was a tough time. It was a really tough time. What was that like getting into business? And, uh, you know, uh, you also were becoming a new mum. You were becoming a parent um, at that time. Yeah, I was an overly ambitious, overly achieving 23-year-old who thought they knew it all. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, um, as I said, I think there, there's beauty in my journey because I had to learn. I, I, I swam, I dived into the deep end, um, you know, from the onset. But had I... In, in got into entrepreneurship with more insight, I, I think that I would have made different choices. But based on the, based on jumping at the deep end, I got to learn a lot more than I 
would have if I would have gone through, you know, the route that other entrepreneurs go through. Um, I was not very aware of the financial crisis and how it could affect um, my entrepreneurial journey. Uh, but I think most importantly, my decision, as I, as I said earlier on, was emotionally based. It was a values-based decision. So mm. um, <laughs> there was no plan, but here we are. Which is not always wise, you know, getting hot under the collar and making a decision in a split second, changing your entire life. That must, I mean, surely it was a struggle. I mean, 13 years later, you are successful, but, you know, over the years, what it was it? Was it a smooth journey? I mean, you're writing a book and you're talking about failing. Tell me about some of those failures along the way. Did you have any of those? Um, oh, I've had I've had a lot of failures, which I've, I've come to celebrate um, as the years go. And yes, you're correct. I am currently writing a book titled The Fine Art of Failing Forward uh, because I feel like as an entrepreneur, I've made every every mistake possible to, to know and have foresight of how to to continue and also be um be resilient as as an entrepreneur um everything from you know why not to work with friends um maybe it's not a good idea to hire family and also things such as like paying your taxes and systems and processes and processes of hiring staff um it's the little things that you don't think matter but actually matter when you and end up being in trouble or in a situation that you can't turn back. And I mean, in the advertising space, I mean, uh-huh. you you basically reliant on the client and, you know, whether they stay with you, whether the contract is short term or long term, you know, you are depending solely on clients that pay the bills. I always, I always, when I, when I talk about my business, I talk about it as an, a, a subsistent farm. Until recently, I, that's how I, I ran my business, like on a subsistence basis where everything was linked to my, you know, and it's a good thing that we're talking about finances now. Everything mm. was linked to my personal finances. Mm. Um, you know, I was my business. My family was my business. My personal finances were my business. But it wasn't until um, a friend of mine actually got me into an awesome program um, such as the Sandam Enterprise Development Program. And through that, I got to actually understand things I could have learned 13 years ago that, oh, yeah, you don't actually listen to that person who tells you that they've got 13 siblings and um, 13 siblings they need to support and then just give Mm -hmm. them a job and then they fail you while, (laughs) while they're doing their job. So it's you know the the nuts and bolts and also the guts of the business um, are very are very important and I'm not devaluing my journey because I've got the lived experience but I think you know 13 years later and in hindsight there are some decisions I could have made better if I didn't take the the plunge um, off a place of emotion and also my place of emotion was taken when I was seven months pregnant with my son mm. so. Yeah. <laughs> Don't be making yeah, decisions when you're pregnant. Yeah. <laughs> I, I made the decision when I was pregnant. I remember telling my husband, Michael, that, listen, I'm not going back to work tomorrow. Eh? And uh, also saying this at 2 a.m., whose husband would say, yeah, no, you should go back. He's like, yeah, sure. Stay. And then six, um, <laughs> a few weeks later, we saw that actually I don't have a job. Yeah. Because so, <laughs> then it's settling in. Then the reality is yeah. settling in. And when the paycheck doesn't arrive as well, then it's even yeah, more no, of a reality check. It's a, it's 
a painful reality check because, you know, I was about to be a, uh, a new mom. I had to, you know, do, do take risks such as, I'm not, I don't condone this behavior, but I did it lying to a specific airline that I was not as far, far along in my pregnancy mm. as I was because the majority of the business that I got was in Joburg. Um, I remember in one of my first pitches, I had told the same airline that I was six months pregnant while in fact I was eight months pregnant. And when I got to my pitch, the there was load shedding, as you said. Yeah. <laughs> so I was heavily pregnant with a whole you know, with a whole bag full of a, a presentation I was doing. And I had to walk up four flights of stairs. Um, it is no wonder why I went into premature labor as soon as I got back mm. to Cape Town. But that's a story for another day. <laughs> you were so, very risky. You, know, you were extremely risky. But, you know, as I said, um, for the past decade or so, my business has been subsistent. So, you know, it running mm. was based on the life being kept on. Yes. So when, I think also... In different scenarios, when you're back against the walls, either you succumb to whatever pressures you go under or you just push, mm-hmm. um, literally, because the whole baby came out prematurely. But um, <laughs> you, you you get what I'm saying. So yeah. I think we, we're not under... What, what concerns me a lot about conversations about entrepreneurship is it's, it's, it's glamorized and it's glorified. Mm. And we don't actually look at the psychological effects. We don't look at the sacrifices that us as entrepreneurs go through for our families. Like, yeah. based on, um, just touching on the conversation we had on earlier, I don't remember my son's first year of life. You know, his first step I heard while I was in Durban doing a shoot for a client. You know, all these firsts that I've missed because of sacrificing and pouring your heart into this bigger dream, um, those are the important stories that upcoming entrepreneurs should know that you literally pour your whole life into mm. this legacy that you actually don't know what you, you actually achieve. Because also on my side, I'm, I'm a first generation entrepreneur. You yeah. know, it's not like this was passed down to me from by my father. Yes, my, grandf- my grandfather, my mom's dad was a successful in, um, tree owner in Cape Town. But, you know, it's not like I watched him run his business. He was my grandfather. So there's, there's all those pressures that that you go through that, you know, we need to start, we need to stop glorifying the whole idea of entrepreneurship and actually talk about the nuts and bolts and, 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 and be honest with people who are aspiring because a lot of people who want to follow entrepreneurs, especially mm. within the social media space, it's a curated lifestyle that's being sold. Yeah, it's not easy. It's um, not easy. There's just so much, there's so much going on in the background. But Sibulele, I mean, you know, it's, it's a constant tug of war especially for women between family, you know, even starting a family. You haven't even had a baby as yet and you're lying because you're under so much of pressure in the workplace. I mean, do you think 13 years later, do you think that's changed? Because there is a difference. I mean, you know, we fight for equality. We want the same things. But a woman just has so much more to deal with. And, you know, besides being in the workplace and having this tug of war, we're having this tug of war with ourselves. Do you think that's changed? Do you think that we've improved in that area? Not at all. I'm I'm currently 36 and I am seriously contemplating having another child. But the reality of having another child is I might need, you know, two to three years to to sit on the bench on a couple of things. So although my biological clock is ticking, what do I really want? You know, I, I can't, I can't, you know, physically and emotionally and also financially afford to 
to set up until 2 a.m. nursing a new baby. And I also don't want to do the same mistake of missing whatever future child's first year of life. So it's, it's, it's basically, I'm at a, I could say, crossroads in, yeah. cross in my life. But, Sibulele, you are now 13 years into it. You made a yeah. really emotional decision 13 years ago. You yes. now can afford yourself a bit of time to sit down and think about what next. And I suppose that's something that, you know, you can you can actually smile about and think about. Like, you know, yes, it's tough. What do I do going oh. forward? But at least now you're making wiser decisions and not hot under the color, uh, color decisions, right? Yes and no. Yes and no. Um, because your your goalpost changes as as yeah. more the more you grow as an entrepreneur. Then it was making sure I pay my bills. Now it, it entails keeping jobs. Mm. So whatever whatever financial decision or, or whatever you know business decision I make does not only affect me; it affects my staff, their families, their kids, and the, and everything else that's linked to it. So, and also you need to maneuver, you know, sexism, racism. Mm. And, and, and I always say that black women are the third most listened to people in the, in the boardroom. Uh, you know, I still sit now in 2020 having executives of big brands asking silly questions like, oh, so what do your people like? What do you want? Why, why is that? Jeez, that's you know, So there's, there's, I mean, it's also maneuvering through the mm. whole elusive but true boys club within the industry. Yeah. Um, I remember when I was in a well, I, you, know, you know, I suppose yeah. we still have a long way to go, but Sibulele, yeah. like women like you that are still fighting in the boardroom and sticking up for who you are and what you are doing and, and demanding yeah. that type of respect is really important to other women coming up in the industry. Unfortunately, we've run out of time. Oh, the show just goes so quickly and I always just have such great conversations with everybody. Sibulele, thank you so much for joining me and giving me your time this evening. That was Sibulele Siko Shosa and She's a creative and content director at Dumile Brand Boutique. My Money and Me, every Tuesday from 8 to 9 p.m. on Kaya FM 95.9. Rewinding. Rewinding Kaya FM on FM Rewind. Visit kayafm.co.za for more.